When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your post-match Raw on Anfield Index Pro, podcasting to you from my field here in beautiful rural Ireland. I'm Trev Denny, and joining me to give their immediate reactions to Liverpool 4, Luton 1 in the Premier League from Anfield are Dave Hendrick and Carl Madgett. Uh, it was a, a difficult uh, opening uh, section to the game, Dave, but after that, there was a huge amount of to take from this in terms of all those kind of intangible things like character, attitude, uh, resilience, digging deep, all those kind of things that we're going to need, let's be honest, as much as we're going to need all the excellence that was on display as well eventually, um, because they're the kind of things that are going to be core uh, to any Liverpool title getting carried over the line here. And to have that little bit of a cushion now Man, I think this is an enormous result. Yeah, we're missing seven starters tonight. Like, just just think about that for one second. Seven. No other of teams our best doing 11. that. No, no other team can. Yeah, no other teams carrying that. You no, take no. Ederson, Walker, Rodri, or or De Bruyne, or whoever, and the entire starting front three out of actually two of the starting midfielders and the entire starting front three out of the City team. You take the same out of the Arsenal team and they fall apart. Now, obviously, Pep Guardiola would never have seven injuries because he's got all those nuclear steroids that he pumps his players full of. But that's by the by. We're missing seven starters tonight and the pressure is on us because, look, we're playing at home to Luton. We're expected to win. But we also know that City have an easy game at the weekend and Arsenal are home to Newcastle and should beat Newcastle at the Emirates. So we're in a position where if we drop any points, we could come out of the weekend off the top, potentially third. So we had to win tonight. And obviously the first half wasn't good. It wasn't good by any stretch. But at the same time, we still could have scored two or three goals and probably should have scored two or three goals in that first half. I I look forward to us delving into the tactical approach of the first half, which seemed to be... Queeving pumps it long and we hope for the best. In the second half, we came out and we played football and we tore them apart. And obviously the first goal comes from the set piece. But then after that, we are absolutely all over them. 
And we could easily have scored seven goals in that second half. And it wouldn't have changed how the game actually went. Virgil has the great header that Kaminsky saves. Uh, Diaz has a shot that Kaminsky makes a great save from. Diaz had... Harvey too, yeah. Harvey had a great shot that was saved. Diaz had the chance where he got slipped in uh, by Bradley and he, he should have cut it back and shot into the far corner, but he let the defender get too close to him and Menji made the block. Like, we easily could have had seven in that second half. We were outstanding in the second half. And, like, again, you know, you take the goalkeeper out, you've got a backup goalkeeper. You take a fullback out, and even though Trent is a very special fullback, you can still bring a fullback in. But we're talking about missing two of our starting three midfielders and all three starting frontmen. And the three stand-ins up front, one of whom likely would have been in midfield if not for the fact that we needed him in attack, all three of them get goals. Now, it took them a lot of shots to do so, but they all got goals. They all contributed to the win. And we also got some really good cameos off the bench then from young players. Bobby Clark gets a run out, was very impressed with him. McConnell gets a run out, very impressed. And Jaden Dans, I mean, moment of applause for that kid, comes on against a very physical team who are set to just pull and drag and kick every attacker they come up against. And yet he shows his size, he shows his strength, he plays a gorgeous ball which almost creates a goal for Gakbo and in the end creates the goal for Harvey. I mean, what a night for that kid who would have had no expectation he was going to be playing for Liverpool's first team up until a week or so ago. It, this is a really good night for us. And now we're four points clear. We can just sit back and enjoy Saturday, let City and Arsenal take care of their business, go into the final with our minds fully focused on that game. And then off the back of it, we've got a week off in the league. We've 10 days off now in the league. And the Southampton game next midweek, I don't care if we throw it. I don't care if we play our under-14 team. I really don't. The league is now in our hands. We've got a real opportunity here. And we will start getting players back. Dominic should be back in a week. Trent will come back after that. Ali will come back. Mo and Darwin should be back at the weekend. So the injury problems will subside quite quickly. Obviously, Ali's end of May, uh, end of March and, and Jota's into April. They'll be a little bit longer. But I, I, if, if we can just keep getting these results and just grinding away and showing what we're capable of and showing the same mindset and mentality that we saw tonight, the fixtures favour us other than City in this run. We can get through this. Carl, I've had a sneaky feeling about this all season and I understand absolutely why you might think that um, not you specifically but why one might think that obviously City have uh, the favourites tag and possibly some um, a majority of people would still consider that they do given the things that are afflicting the Liverpool squad at the moment and the comparative strength of what City have but I was trying to get Dave to go there. I know it's not as comfortable zone talking about intangibles, but it does feel a little bit like um, the chips were really down there this evening. And we have seen previous iterations of this 
club, not necessarily under Klopp. You know, maybe maybe in in one or two little bad patches, but for the majority, not under Klopp's um, um, guidance. But we have seen, you know, situations where a team will buckle. Um, they dug in and they started to play football. I think we we will hear from you and from Dave a lot of talk about how things did, as he mentions, change tactically. But even when we did get the ball down in the first half and try to play it, the, the final ball was absolutely piss poor and we just didn't have any joined up sort of thinking going on. So it does require... Carl, a huge amount of digging in and finding something. And each of those players who stayed on the park until the job was kind of sorted really did dig in and find an extra level. Elliot went up, Diaz went up, Gakpo went up, and they were the ones who needed to. I thought the rest of them were passable in the first half, but even they stepped up. The defenders got more dominant. And that's the kind of thing, man, that's the kind of thing that gives you that kind of sneaking feeling where you can be possibly a little bit optimistic about our chances here. Yeah, and I think that's all right, you know. Um, This was definitely a game where it would have been very easy to feel sorry for ourselves. It would have been very easy to think, here we go, everything against us all at once, especially, to be fair, even though we'd, we'd spurned chances, we'd made like four chances even before they had their first attack. And then they score off that first attack Again, it would have been quite easy for heads to drop or, you know, by half time, maybe even if not quite that early, then for people to be thinking, you know, maybe it's just not a night. It's not going to be our season, blah, blah, blah. Um, I suspect that a few of them had a bit of a rocket at half time, to be brutally honest. Mm. I also would say that there were maybe three players who were fine first half, but were excellent second half. And they and even towards the end of the first half, they were really, really trying to raise the tempo, be a bit smarter with the passing. I think most of the first half was like it wasn't it wasn't particularly, you know, clever or, or um, you know, groundbreaking in terms of the approach, but I think it was largely fine. It's just that we were so rushed, so uh, a little bit stupid to be honest with the final passing, trying to be you know, making sure everything ended in a brilliant shot at the end of every single move and not really taking the care or the intelligence in our play that we should have done. And we did that second half, even even though we still had the intensity in our play. I think that was the big difference. Um, I think people like Alexis McAllister in particular, but Connor Bradley as well, second half, I think he was pretty much excellent. Um, Just changing partly the tempo of the game, but also, more importantly, just the intelligence of our play, like making runs into really good areas, releasing the ball at the right time. That was the big difference to the second half for me. You've brought it up, and I was going to go there anyway, so I'm delighted you brought it up. Just a quick word about Connor Bradley, because <clears throat> I, you know, I was lucky enough to see him live against Chelsea, and I swear to God, like the hair was standing on the back of my neck. I was like, this guy is outrageous. And we started to hear one Connor Bradley being chanted. He was excellent again then in, in subsequent um, uh, appearance, and uh, obviously then he had that tragedy to to deal with, which he's still dealing with, but to come back and do what he did. And you could say that he was one of the ones who was probably not at his very best in that first half. I feel like it's probably safe to say, Carl, at this stage, that this guy, you know, the way you feel a little bit, you feel a bit squirrely about saying it with a kid. But I think after a couple of times seeing Trent, you you went, 
oh, this guy's absolutely going to be all right. And I have that exact same certitude about Connor Bradley. I think he was actually transformative for us in that period, early period of second half. He really drove things. And we saw him again recently driving and getting shots away in the last game. This is uh, this is the kind of uh, he's he's ready to go. He's he's just out of the box, ready to go in the Liverpool first team. That's a real boost. Well, it is massive. I mean, I'm kind of in the same campus, Dave, at the minute in terms of you don't want to put like too much expectation on him, and it's not about the level of quality that he has because you can't put in a performance like the one against Chelsea and. Mr. Downey, you're extremely fortunate to have uh, to have witnessed that one because that was certainly a special game. We were comparing it to Trent against Leicester after the yeah. match, in fact, on Raw. Um, I don't want to say anything about it other than the fact that you can't rely on that kind of performance every single time. Like For someone like Trent to come along is a bit of a one-off, but for someone to come along and be capable of even having a, a performance where you can compare it to something that Trent has done is very, very fortunate for Liverpool. Now it's not going to happen all the time. He's a young player. We've got to, you know, allow him to make mistakes and obviously there'll be ups and downs, same as there was in, in pretty much every kid's career. But to have someone who can just come in and you haven't even got to worry about them being a young player in the way that, to be fair, we still do with, let's say, Javi Elliott, for example, who's got a lot more game time to his name, but is still very hit and miss in terms of performance levels. Um, we don't really have that at the minute with Connor Bradley and maybe it'll happen eventually, but right now it's kind of a plug and play and you just, the best thing we can say is we haven't really missed Trent as a, an elite level performer in our team. That's really the only thing you can say, which can encapsulate, I think what Bradley has been able to offer in the end. Well, that does say it all, to be fair. Dave, we won't spend as long talking about Luton Town because at this stage we've played everybody twice and um, <clears throat> they are where they are. They're going to struggle. They're right down there with the Ev uh, looking at um, exiting the division at the end of the yeah. season. Um, so I, we'll, we'll keep a, a, our chat about them minimal, but I will come to them with you in a second. But just quickly on Liverpool, because we don't need to do a whole lot here either, because th- the facts are that the hands of Jurgen Klopp were very much tied. Um, when you see the starting lineup being Kelleher and then Bradley and Gomez as fullbacks with Kwanzaa and Van Dijk, I think all of us can go, all right, there's some improvisations needed there, but... Keller has proved himself a worthy stand-in. Bradley, as Carl's just outlined, has been a more than um, impressive stand-in. And Quanta is highly rated by us. Joey Gomez has been possibly our best defender uh, over the course of the last few games and Virgil to Virgil. Then you look at the midfield and you think, okay, uh, Gravenberg, Endo and McAllister is nobody's idea of the best three that we have. But perhaps it's some people's idea of the best two that we have, plus A and other. So, so far, things ain't too bad, considering the amount of incredible footballers that we are not allowed or capable of using at the moment. And then we get to the front line and the front line of Elliot Gakpo Diaz. I'll tell you what, on a different day, on a day when they do their second half thing from the start, again, Nobody's crying too much. Mm. So so I suppose what I'm trying to say to you is perhaps we should uh, make a little reference at this point to that thing that I've heard you cite so often in talk about managerial candidates and who might be good and what, what this job is like, considering all the best jobs in the world are coming available. 
the reason why Liverpool is the most attractive is because of this squad assembled by Jurgen Klopp. And our bench still has, uh, in terms of obvious first-teamers, Kanate and Robertson, Simicus is on there. And then we get into Clark, Gordon, Neone, Dans and McConnell. And they seem to be a tremendous bunch of kids, but you don't want to be relying on them to get you over the league and over the the line in the Premier League thing. Tonight, we kind of needed to get them on the field and we kind of needed the very much uh, second string to do a job up top, uh, which they eventually did, as 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 Carl mentioned, the goal for each of them. So it's probably worth our while at this point saying, you know, a little bit of acknowledgement about what a squad that has been assembled here, because Roby starter, no, the job got fucking done, Dave. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, I've said this before. We're we're probably three players short of having a near-perfect squad. If nobody was to leave, other than, say, Matip and Thiago, who had a contract, and we were to bring in three players, you'd look at our squad and you'd think, there's no real weak point anywhere, either in terms of starter or backup. Yeah. Like, that front three tonight, if it was, let's just say it was Mo, Cody, and Diaz, you'd be more than comfortable. If it was Harvey, Darwin, and Diaz, you'd be more than comfortable. If it was Elliot, Gakbo, and Jota, I think you'd be really comfortable. Like, they're three good players, there are three players, well, two two of them we've spent a lot of money on, but there are three players that have performed pretty regularly for us. Now, there is inconsistencies with them, of course. There's inconsistencies with Cody. Sometimes he just seems to get shoved out of games a bit. Diaz seems to get bottled up in his own head at times. And Harvey's still only 20 years of age, so inconsistency is something you're just going to have to live with with him. But the one thing you're never going to doubt, especially with the two wide boys, is the effort level. Like, there was times in that first half where you wanted to grab hold of Harvey and grab hold of Diaz and scream at them. But you'd never, ever doubt the effort and the desire to make things happen and to do the right things. Like you said with the midfield, like, with, with Alexis and Endo, it's like a, a light version of, Tiago and Fab in the last time we went chasing quadruple where when we had them on the pitch it didn't really matter who the third one was because those two as a pair work really well together and defensively Mm. they're capable of carrying a lot of water for whoever the third one is if that third one happens to be a weaker defensive player so tonight for example Gravenberg is not a good defensive player at all If it was Harvey, he's not a good defensive player. But the other two can carry that and make that work. And, you know, the same at the back. I mean, like you said, Joe Gomez has been absolutely phenomenal for us this season. I I think this is the best season of his Liverpool career. And he's played in three different positions for us across the season and been tremendous in all of them. Virgil is unquestionably back to being the best centre-back in Europe. And the two kids, I mean, Kwanzaa... I don't know that anybody's told him that this is his first season playing for Liverpool. I think maybe he's gotten a bang on the head in pre-season and Jürgen's gone, by the way, you're 28 and you've been around for for a decade. You've got seven (laughs) caps. And he's just like, oh, okay, so this is a piece of piss then. (laughs) Like, he just looks so calm. 
And Connor Bradley, I mean, like you said, what, what he's just dealt with in his personal life, that's a hammer blow for anybody at any age. But for a 20-year-old kid, it's got to be very, very tough. And he's come back after, like you said, brilliant performances before before he had to take the, the leave of absence. Absolutely sensational against Chelsea. Two really good showings against Fulham. And I think Bournemouth was the other one he was really good in. He's come back. He's played against Brentford at the weekend. Looked like he'd never been away. Really, really good. And again tonight, I think he was a bit iffy on their goal. I don't think the goal was, was his fault. I think there's somebody else more to blame. But a little bit iffy on it. Let let um, Chong get the wrong side of him. But second half, I mean, second half we stopped inverting him as much and kept him a bit wider and used him as more of an overlapping threat. But he was able to break centrally from higher up. So we saw him get to like, say, 20 yards into their their half and then burst towards central areas. And they just couldn't pick him up at all. I, I thought that second half performance, I know he only played, what, 20, 25 minutes of it, but he was so mature, so involved, so clever. He makes the second goal. You know, we, we've we've all done the corner taken quickly thing, but it's the throw in taken quickly tonight. That quick throw sees Alexis, quick throw, perfect, perfect spot on it. And Alexis can just whip it first time and Cody scores. Like that comes from Connor being so switched on and so tuned in. And what I really like about him is like there was a couple of moments where he was involved in defensive actions. And he's still, he's going to be hit and miss as a defender because he's 20. That's just the way with, with young defenders. But there's a couple of moments where he, he does the right thing, gets a good a good interception or a good intervention, and you can see Virgil letting him know that's really good. And he almost starts to get a bounce in his step. And then the next one, he's snapping into it as well, and he wants to do well, and he wants to show that he belongs. This This kid is, like, I don't know where his ceiling is because he's only played a handful of games, but in terms of the mindset... Like he'll be the type that whatever his talent ceiling is, he will outperform that because he has the right mindset because he's driven enough to do it. Like the likes of Henderson and Milner, they massively outperformed their talent level in their careers. They've had much better careers than their talent would have allowed them to. I'm not. I think he's a more talented player than either of them, but he's got that same mindset, and that will allow him to outperform any talent ceiling on himself. And that's a really good thing. So like Carl said, we haven't really missed Trent. Like he's the best right back. Maybe ever make genuinely, maybe ever. I, I, I'd have him in my top 10 all time already. Probably, you know, top seven, but we haven't missed him. So, and say he has, say, say Connor has hit his ceiling, right? Just say, say he's one of these early bloomers. Mm. Hit his ceiling. If that's, if that's his ceiling, that is absolutely sustainable for a Liverpool first teamer. Yeah, yeah but at, at the very least, he's he could be a te- he could be a long term squad player. Like you yeah. know what I mean? He, the thing is, he because we've got Trent and Trent is twenty five. Connor doesn't mm. need to be an every week right back for us. Connor could be a twenty twenty five game a season right back for us for the next four or five years. That's all we need him to be. 
We don't need them to be Again. Cafu. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Yeah, and again, depending on Trent's evolution and what happens there, because there will be an evolution one way or the other with a new manager. That's just yes. going to happen. Um, they will make the call one way or the other. They'll t- they'll take Trent aside and say, lad, you're a right back. Enough of this bollocks and inverted midfielder shite. Or, uh, or they will say, see you. You are now going to be part of the midfield unit. That's yes. it. And there will be an evolution there one way or the other. And like you say, whether it's to to to, to step in uh, or or to to entirely replace, you just feel a level of confidence with this kid. It's I, it's a real testament to him. I, I often felt like that about a new Liverpool footballer for a long, long time. He just looks like he has it all. I'll tell you, the but attitude you is, is quite Robbo-esque. It is. It's very Robbo-esque, and a lot of his, a lot of his intangibles are Robbo-esque. And Robbo's another one that's massively outperformed his talent level as a footballer. Like Robbo's obviously a very talented footballer, but Robbo's talent was never best left back in the world. But Robbo, but you get the impression that they, the, that's it. You get the impression that Connor could do similar, and that and he, and he, and he might score goals as well, Dave. Yeah, you know? he's, he's definitely a lot more calm in front of goal. But like even things like. The way he runs is so Robbo-esque. Like, it's that yeah, kind of yeah, scampering, head-down kind of run. Um, the way he attacks players is the same. The way he gets back to defend is the same. But for us to get him and Jarrell Kwanzaa in one year... Now, I know both were out on loan last season, but, you know, they've both come out of the academy for us this year. Like, they have gotten us untold amounts of points this season between the two of them and they have saved us an absolute fortune moving forward it's amazing it's amazing and the subs bench like Kanata, Adrian Simicus, Robertson, Clark, Gordon Neoni, Dans, McConnell I mean it's it's very interesting to look at that and it's very interesting to think about what one of one or two more of those guys mm. um from from Clark Gordon and the only Dan's and McConnell what of one or two more of them and I will say the little bit I've seen of McConnell I think he might be the one actually um he has a lovely calm about him on the ball which I think is actually really really commendable we've seen a lot of lads step into central midfield who have been kids and of course we're forgetting our little Spanish superstar we've got to come back there as well if he ever returns from wherever he is uh, injury wise it's a very exciting time and Carl if we just take a quick look you and I at the Luton setup because even if it's just for us to think about what they uh, offered tonight and why it was that they were able to be such a freaking pain in the arse because look 
we we need to be honest here about the overall go of the game. Liverpool had 29 shots to Luton's 12. We had 13 on target to their three. We had 62% of the ball, which is, I guess, perhaps a little low for one of those high shot, high dominance Liverpool performance. 503 passes is a little low for one of those high shot, high dominance Liverpool uh, performances. And we roughly equal in fouls. They picked up a lot more yellow cards than we did. But it's, you know, by the, by just a scan at the numbers, it's very much a dominant Liverpool performance. However, that first half was deeply uncomfortable. And it was deeply uncomfortable because Luton Town came tonight with a first 11 of Kaminsky, who I, I have to say really looks good as a shot stopper. I haven't seen enough of him, and perhaps you can offer an opinion here as to whether he's a little bit more than that. But very, very impressed with his shot stopping tonight. Uh, Mengi, Osho, Bell, Ogbeni, Sambi, Lakanga, um, Barkley, Doughty, Morris, Chong and Woodrow was the numerical order. That's obviously not how they lined up. Um, very impressed tonight with uh, Doughty's attitude and, 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 and sort of, he looks like a lad who would be a very much a serviceable Premier League player on, on a regular basis. Chong started very well. Um, I'm, I'm not convinced at all by the lad they had up top tonight I, I don't really rate Morris at all but <clears throat> again you may have an opinion it's very different and, and, and mine is based primarily on very few viewings uh, on their bench they had Potts, Berry, Kabore who came on Burke, Mpanzu who came on Clark, Cruel, Townsend who came on and Nelson and they have obviously uh, the a young manager in uh, Rob Edwards, uh, who you know it, it, it's for anyone who's only forty one years of age and they're pr- uh, managing in the Premier League and has come up from the pre from the the, the division below. Hats off! There must be something about the lad. Talk to me a little bit about them tonight and why you think they were capable of posing the sort of, if not threat, then stubborn opposition that they seem to be able to to provide, certainly defensively, to our sort of stuttering attack in that first half. Um, I mean, I think you you use the right words. It's because they're a pain in the ass and they don't know when to say no anymore, Um, which is obviously, from a footballing perspective, an admirable trait, but from an opposition perspective, is just really, really irritating. Before I go any further, and just because I know you love this and because this is one that's been catalogued for me for a while, uh, you take yourself onto Wikipedia while I'm talking about Luton here and you have a look at uh, Thomas Kaminsky's wiki picture. You'll love that. Okay, I shall. Right up your alley. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What do I think of Luton? Um, May just wait until you see it, to be honest. I've just, I'm literally opening as we speak very slowly. I don't know why. It's still a blank page. And here we go. And what is happening with the yellow tie here, man? What is happening? Why is he wearing a tie at all, indeed? Why is he wearing a tie? I, I'm, I'm very impressed with that. He looks like... Um, he looks like a good Irish son-in-law there, I'd say. Fair play to him. Uh, that's tremendous. That's tremendous. Yeah, fair play, to, fair, fair play, young Kaminsky. I, I, while we're on him, what do you th- what do you make of this Belgian lad? Like he's he's. He, I, I tell you what, he pulled off some great stops tonight. Yeah, I mean, like he's he's a, a very good shot stopper. I actually saw him. He was um, 
Yes, we had a little uh, trial spell uh, with a couple of Spanish teams and never signed for them in the end while he was still with Anderlecht, um, while I was sort of backwards and forwards at the time over there. Um, but it wasn't obviously until he came to Blackburn that I really saw him play. So he looks like perfectly fine. I think he's a, a really, really good shot stopper. But kind of as we... And what is he, Carl? Is he like late 20s, early 30s, that kind of age, right? Yeah, he's 30, 31, okay. Yeah. So, right, right. Uh, I mean, like, uh, as we quite often say, like, if you if you are not a good shot stopper, you're not really a goalkeeper anyway. So I do think that that's kind of like baseline of what is useful as a goalkeeper to be, you know, good reflexes and good shot stopper and the rest of it. But I do think that for this particular type of team where they are on the back foot quite a lot, where they do tend to defend really deep inside their penalty area, is exactly what they need. Um, they don't really need yeah. someone who's, you know, great with the feet and comes 20 yards off his line and all the rest of it. They need someone who can defend that six yard box, basically, who's really good last line. Um, in terms of previous goalkeepers, Shea Given is probably the elite level of yesteryear in that respect. Someone who's, you know, <laughs> yeah, I knew, I knew you'd go to Shea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's you know the 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 old Premier League style of goalkeeper. Let's say someone who could shot stop basically and that's he's very very good at that and I think that's fine I think he's been one of their more consistent players this year obviously he's had quite a lot of practice to be fair but again he's done his job he's, he's not ever been one of the ones who they've considered needing to replace or swap in or out or anything so um, I think he's fine for, for the job that they have uh, it, I kind of like Luton in terms of they play to the very, very maximum of their technical ability and even beyond that. But then I think that that costs them a lot as well. I think that they decided mm. quite early on, we're going to play this year. We're not just going to scrap and shit our way through this year. We're going to play and see how that fares for us. And I think that that's probably proven to be right because they've got results where they weren't expected to. They've kept themselves uh, in touch with the dotted line at the very least, even if part of that is because of Everton having a points deduction, obviously. I think they've gotten the most out of a few players who haven't really had the chance elsewhere, like Sambi Lekonga is a good example. Um, and then if you do just get one or two players who can perform above the level of everyone else, and as much as we probably all don't like him, Ross Barkley is one of those players for them. Um, against Man United, like he was taking the piss out of them uh, at the weekend. Like Really, really good in terms of transition play and breaking into space and all the rest of it. Um, so I think that they've done as much as could possibly be expected. And I do kind of respect Rob Edwards' approach to saying, let's just play as good as we can and let's see how good that is by the end of the season. They're not just being fearful. They're not just here for the ride. They're not just for the experience. They're, they're going out and they're trying to play their way to safety. And I think that's a really good thing to see. They are not Premier League calibre, but that doesn't mean that they can't stay up if a few things go their way. Well, just uh, uh, to get a, a, a take from you then, while we have the opportunity, they're on 20 points, um, some seven points ahead of Burnley and Sheffield United, who are joint bottom on 13 points. They are uh, level on points with Everton, and they are four points uh, behind Nottingham Forest and five behind Crystal Palace, Brentford uh, in 14th and 15th. And then most people would think Brentford are just safe. That's just the feeling that most people have about Brentford. And I guess they've had a couple of shitty 
uh, fixtures lately that maybe they'll adjust themselves a bit up the table over the next few. Um, Crystal Palace obviously have an interesting situation and it could go either way. They could drop into it or not. Forest could drop into it or not. Everton are basically in it in terms of being level on points with Luton who uh, are in the drop zone. It's just a goal difference issue. So what's your gut feeling on whether Luton's, um, as you describe it, their comparatively brave approach to just like we're going to be true to what we are as a team and lads like Ogbene doing bits. Do you think that's going to be enough for them to squeak through? Do you feel Everton sneak in? Are Forest or Palace going to get dragged into it? What's your what's your gut feeling? Um, Palace, uh, Palace are good enough to not get dragged in, but obviously with the manager change from Glasner coming in, and we sort of briefly touched on this in scouted, it kind of depends on how quickly the the squad take to him. To be honest, because it is very very new for him uh, in terms of the league and everything, and it will be a complete sea change for them going from Hodgeball to Glasnerball. Uh, which, as Dave pointed out, could be a really, really good thing, a revitalizing thing for a lot of players, but it will still be an adaptation period. So they could definitely go with it. I think Crystal Palace are a coin toss at this point, to be honest. Um, I think Luton are probably capable. What have they got left? 13 matches? Mm. I mean, I said at the start of the season, I think 34 points this year is enough to stay up. Are Luton going to get another 14 points in 13 matches? Yeah, maybe, uh, when you put but, it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But maybe not. Yeah, it's interesting when you, that's exactly, listen, as ever, when I go to you for something like that, you, you broke it down into something that makes it, uh, makes it uh, easy to understand and tangible for everybody. There's, so, yeah. Dave, sorry. Aspect, though, that Carl hasn't considered here. Which is that exactly. Nottingham Forest and Everton are both facing yeah, charges for breaking profits and sustainability. Yeah, it, look, if they get points deducted, then all bets are off. Obviously, I'm not. Yeah, gonna L- Luton are the big winners here. If if they, those two sides get the points deductions that they should get for breaking the rules, Luton will be six points clear of listen. Nottingham Forest, and Forest will be seventeenth in the league. Yeah, listen, if. Forest get 10 points off them as well, then Burnley and Sheffield United basically have to fight out to be not least shit because they'd only be one point behind them and both of them could stay. And they'd be, and they'd be th- the yeah, because they'd be three points ahead of Everton who would be on 10 points, which would be a remarkable thing if they'd taken 30 points and all of a sudden 20 of them were just taken away because they cheated in previous seasons to stay in the division. That This is the lads season Phillips. where they've been actually competent on the pitch and they're being punished for the previous seasons where they were incompetent on the pitch and off the pitch. Poor old Daishi. Tell, tell me, tell me the, the, I'm a guy who has spent the last two days suffering under a migraine and most of the previous days to that, uh, just juggling about 18 million things. I'm not abreast of the, uh, the news cycle as I once was, uh, this year. What is the uh, story on when that decision, that call will be made on Forrest and Everton? Well, there was reporting over the weekend that the Forest decision could come down this week, but there's been no movement on it since. Um, Everton, because Everton are appealing the first one, uh, remains to be seen when the punishment for the second one will land. But I I think what they may well do is they might cut what Everton got deducted the first time 
from 10 to maybe 6 or 5, but I think they'll levy the 10 points for the second one as well. And if they want to appeal that, I mean, that's going to go through the summer, by which point the season is over. And it will make no difference. But the thing, the thing is, Luton would be well within their rights to start making some noise about wanting these points deductions leveled because or levied because they're the team who potentially could go down if Everton and Forrest aren't punished. Now, I, I think they could go down either way, but it's certainly going to be interesting. And like you have to give Luton huge credit because they finished last season in the playoffs and had to battle their way through the playoffs and win a penalty shootout against Coventry in the playoff final. Whereas like Burnley ran away with the championship last year and Sheffield United were miles better than everybody other than Burnley. Luton grinded their way up. And yet the three teams have come up. Luton have spent by far the least money. They've clearly come up with a much more settled game plan of, and not just for this season, but the long haul as well of what they know they want to do with a manager who's clearly been told, look, don't worry about getting relegated. Just do your best. You've got security here. And they've performed so much better than the other two teams. Like, even though they're not particularly good, they've only won five games. They're really, really annoying to play, like you boys said. Like, they're a horrible side to play because they have a bit about them. They've got a lovely blend of youth and experience. They've got pace and quality out wide. They can go long. They can be direct. They don't have many Premier League caliber players. But Carl mentioned Ross Barkley. Ross Barkley is a very unfortunate player. He's a very, very talented footballer who had a number of injuries. But more importantly, what really hurt his career was he came through the Everton Academy. If he'd come through anywhere else, I think we'd be looking at Ross Barkley as arguably the best English midfielder of his generation. Now, it's not a very strong generation, admittedly. Like, Jordan Henderson is probably the best English midfielder of that generation. Barkley's a much more talented player, but injuries and the the Everton factor really hurt his career. Really, really hurt his career. But it's great to see him having this Indian summer to his career. Like Carl said, he was just, he was a class above the United midfield at the weekend. And I thought first half, he was very, very good. Even second half, he had some, had some nice moments, but he's a good player. There's some, there's some likable lads in that team. I will say though, Coley Woodrow, I mean, we had to win tonight. We couldn't be losing to a team that includes a fella whose name is a Hamlet in fucking Harry Potter or something. You couldn't be losing to a team like that. No, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, that's inconceivable. I, I, it's, it's interesting to look at that end of things as well and just to talk about it because sometimes Raw is we can't wait to get to the match and sometimes it's just like well the match was a bit weird uh, and we want to talk about other things and Guy by the way has put into um, the chat there that he'd love to see the Derby record getting broken which is I think spectacularly optimistic thing because Everton currently, unless I'm mistaken and and feel free to tell me I'm wrong here, but I think they're on 20 points and if say they get another 10 hammered at them, uh, didn't Derby have that lowest points record under Mick McCarthy with 11? 
Is that right? It was eleven. Uh, point, I think it was eleven or twelve. Um, so I mean, so it's going to be <laughs> that's going to be a bad whole end of the season if they can't pick up one more point. And that's the thing about eleven. Uh, Dyke, yeah, eleven in, yeah, in it, 07, 08. Yeah, uh, Mick McCarthy's Mick, Mick McCarthy. Uh, Sunderland have the next two. Uh, fifteen, actually, no, two of the next three. So, uh, fifteen points and nineteen points. Um, that was Mick they, as well, wasn't it? Mick was the Mick was the fifteen point one, I think. Oh man, um, that's, that's Aston that's Villa actually... probably the big shocker. Eleven or sorry, seventeen points when they went down in twenty sixteen, which is genuine. I think that's atrocious. I think that. I think that's a bit mean on Mick. He's not that bad of a lad in terms of management. It's no, it wasn't Mick's fault though. Mick took over that year in like March or something. It had been, it had been Howard Wilkinson had been manager for. I think Howard Wilkinson had been manager for a chunk of that season, and then Mick took oh. over. And actually, guys, correct me. Derby was actually Billy Davis uh, and and Paul Joe. Oh, that's, we did forget that- Huddersfield. 18, 19 Huddersfield, 16 points. So, yeah, that's that's a shambles. Um, guys put in the quote there from, from Rob Edwards. And I have to say, I, I really like the way that guy handles himself and goes about his business. He's very straight to the point. He was effusive in his praise of Liverpool, the team, the, the crowd, the whole lot tonight. The crowd, by the way, abysmal first half, brilliant second half. Hello. I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, made the difference. And it will make the difference if we're going to win this league. That's another intangible right there. Uh, let's get on with it and have a look at the match. And we'll do this quick, more quickly than we normally do. Carl, let's you and I have a look at the first half. A frustrating sort of an affair. Um, there were two corners inside the first 80 seconds for the Reds. Nothing accrued from that. And a fantastic chance in three minutes where Luis Diaz was through and kind of fluffs it. Um, he f- seemed quite indecisive uh, in the moment. And on four minutes, Harvey plays a great ball into Diaz. Uh, he cuts in from the right on his left foot and he curled his shot wide off the far post. Now, a lot of people will say that that was the chance and I, I, I get it. But for me, the one earlier on was an even better opportunity. Some decent possession by them on six minutes and we saw some half decent kicking by Cuevin Kelleher to Diaz in particular there on the seventh minute um, I'm not sure how that kicking went overall and I very much agree with I think a point Dave made earlier on that it was there's quite a lot of hoofing going on 
uh, to lads who are absolutely not favourite to win the ball. I can see how that works as a tactic even at times because you get the breaking ball and you get all over that. But we certainly weren't doing that particular thing um, for the first half. On nine minutes, two corners, uh, sandwiched by a dangerous Harvey Elliott um, cross in. And on the second of the corners, Cody had a sort of an improvised volley, uh, flicking volley thing saved. Um, They got on the front foot on 10 minutes, a decent ball in by Doughty, went across the face of our goal. And then within one minute, they were goal up. And that's where we're going to pause here, Carl, uh, you and I. If there's anything you want to talk about, about that opening period, uh, as well as the goal, please tell me. But they go one up. It's Ogbené Chong, drove in from the left-hand side, played a one-two, and got his shot away. Quivin saved it. Uh, I think it was with his legs. And uh, it's sort of... Sp- moves across the face of goal and we're looking to see if we're going to be first to rebound. Um, Unlike in the second half where we were first to every rebound, in the first we were not. And like Benny is the man who heads it home. Um, I think I saw Dave being quite critical about the defending on the right side uh, on Twitter. I'm sure you have a similar opinion. I'd be interested to hear your take on that goal. Uh, feel free to talk to me a little bit about that and uh, about the goal itself. We'll, we'll we'll push on you and I after this. But if there's anything else in that opening period you want to mention, do that too. Um, I mean, mostly just Diaz and then the goal, to be honest. that's That's what that opening period was. It did look like we had the easy route behind them quite often. Um, quite direct, like you said, a couple of really clever runs, I will say that, even if the first half wasn't brilliant in every category, we did make some very, very good runs, good movement off the ball, picked up, I think Elliot and uh, Diaz in particular, picking up the ball in really good spots between defenders and between defence and midfield uh, lines. Um, not really sure what he was doing in those first few minutes, though, because he, he should have scored twice, no question about that, especially the first one. Better first touch, and he gets his shot away, and there shouldn't be too much, really, the keeper can do about it from that sort of distance. Um, their goal, I think, was a little bit down to having not just three non-starters in that sort of triangle between goalkeeper, right-side centre-back and right-back, but also three quite inexperienced players. You know, even even though Keller's got years, he hasn't got appearances, he hasn't got real experience to his name. Um, and maybe just a combination of that being slightly slow to react and being slightly below the level of our usual starters is maybe what's allowed a team to get in a little bit too easily there. I don't think it was awful, but all three of them combined, maybe you just want like a one or two percent better in each of them, and then they probably don't concede the goal in the same way. Maybe Callagher, because he's in goal, I saw him get a bit of attention because he sort of tried to anticipate it, I think, and went a little bit to his left and had to save it with his feet, like you say. Maybe if he stands his ground, it's an easier save or whatever, but he did save it. So I don't think that he should have too much um, flack come his way for that. Uh, obviously, like you say, we, we we were not first to the rebound on that occasion, but it could have gone anywhere. The player could have not made a run into the far post. Joe Gomez could have been a, a yard closer to him, but I don't have too many complaints. It's just one of them things where everything falls their way. Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. And 
just in case there's anything egregious that you want to come in on, Dave. Uh, I, I, like I said, I saw your I saw your uh, tweet about the defense uh, on the goal. Anything you want to add to that just before Carl and I finish out the first half? Yeah, we stand and we watch them play the ball through us. Bradley gets the wrong side of Chong. Gravenberg is in a perfect position mm. to come across and cut it off and ambles over and makes no real effort on the ball. It's genuinely embarrassing. I don't want to hear that he's only 21. 21 has nothing to do with lack of effort. That is a pure effort thing. Get your fucking arse in gear 15, 20 minutes into a game and put the effort in. That's the be-all and the end-all. Liverpool fans will excuse a lot. Mediocre players become heroes to the cop because they put the effort in, because they work their bollocks off. You have all the talent in the world. There's no excuse for that lack of effort. And it wasn't the only time tonight. It was four or five occasions where his lack of effort was just shameful. Do you want to finish that out in terms of talking about that kid now? Because he is one of the guys who makes way in the second half. And it might be an interesting thing to just talk about because we, and again, I don't want to derail too much myself and Carl going to finish out the first half in a second, but I do, I do, he's he's one of the most divisive characters I've I've seen join the Liverpool squad in ages uh, in terms of people's opinions and the extremity of them. Uh, I, I think we, we, we would be very much sort of just please play well and therefore we will love you and play to your capacity and therefore we'll admire you. And it feels a little bit like that's not what's happening with that kid. And, you know, it's a bit it's a bit frustrating, Dave, isn't it? Because he had sort of, to an extent, in the last game done what we want him to do. And mm. um, from what you're saying now, this was a bit, this performance was a little bit of a slip back. Yeah, it was. I mean, look, he had some good moments in the first half on the ball. His He picked the ball up and had a couple of nice turns where he moved away from, you know, from, from Luton players and he made the right decision with the pass. But, like, he played 78 minutes. He only played 25 passes in a game in which we dominated the ball. Like, he was barely involved in the play in the second half. He came out and just ghosted the second half. But his defensive work is the issue. The, it's the effort. It, that's all it is for me. It's the lack of effort. And people will say, oh, but like, you know, he does this well and he's got great talent. And that's all well and good. All well and good. But he, he may, I think he had five tackles in the game tonight. But they were all in a very short span in the middle of the park. There's multiple occasions where their midfielders run off the back of him, where the ball goes wide to an area where he's covering because the fullback is advanced. And there's no effort. Like there was one in the second half where Ogbena broke down their right, our left. And he beats the first man, which is Diaz. And Gravenberg is in a good position to step across. Gomez is is stepped back, waiting for him. But I assume 
expecting the midfielder to come across and at least make a challenge. And he just stands and watches him. And Ogbena gets all excited, knocks the ball past Gomez and is away. He just like, that's just not acceptable. That lack of effort is not acceptable. Not if you're not having an enormous involvement on the ball. And like I said, 25 passes in 78 minutes. Like, I, I just don't know how you can only have that many passes. Like, I don't know how that, that happens. That That's the number of passes you have in a game in which we have that much of the ball tonight. Yeah, it's a, like, it's a the, difficult one. In the first half, there was like, there was a couple of occasions where he he decided to take shots when he had much better options. Like there was a right-footed shot where he had a simple ball to slip in Gakbo, who was in space in behind the defence. There's a left-footed shot he takes earlier in the first half when he can slip the ball wide to Diaz, who's got Gomez moving on an overlap and can get us in behind. And he takes on these shots that have little to no chance of going in. Like, it's decision-making and it's effort. Now, the decision-making we can put down to age, but again, the age thing is a bit of a false narrative. Yes, he's 21. He's played more minutes in his career than Curtis Jones and similar amounts of minutes to Darwin Nunes. Football age and real age are different things. He's a lot more experienced than most 21-year-olds. And yet, he still plays a very immature game. That's... That's the concern I would have. The talent, the talent is sensational. There was one turn he had away had today where he dropped his left shoulder and Barkley bid on it and went went chasing after it. And he just turns to his right and he's away. And you're just like, that is gorgeous. The simplicity of it, the, the fluidity of it. You want to see more of that, but you also need to see the decision making improve. You need to see you need to see the effort. If you're going to play in midfield. You need to see the effort. He was lucky tonight that he had the other two boys in there because they dug him out a hell of a lot, especially Endo, who got through a Trojan amount of work tonight. Yeah, we'll we'll speak of Endo in the second half. Um, A a, a tremendous set of lads all on his own. Um, Carl, in terms of the remainder of the first half, it's interesting because... After we go a goal down, Cody does have a little bit of a drive from the middle and a shot that leads to a corner. We put on some great pressure. It's a good response by us. Doughty picks up a yellow on 17. Queeving gets down to the feet of an attacker at one point and then gets up and launches a throw to launch a counter-attack. Um, and Harvey's through ball like Almost every final ball in the first half was poor. 27 minutes, uh, Gomez cut in and shot over the top. And I swear to God, he took a shot on because the cop told him to. On 31 minutes, Diaz almost slid home and Endo passed forward after a really good move. And Endo does really well and plays the ball into Luis. And um, he is at full stretch trying to get in at the near post just to dribble at home. But again, it's it's just almost, but not quite and my stream died at that stage, and I think something happened. But I, I, because I, when I got back, the the crowd seemed quite enlivened, and that in and of itself is an interesting point, because we had that oh eight oh nine field to Anfield that I remember very well from being in it, where 
that famous game where we drew nil nil and you know stayed top of the league but it wasn't enough and it was just like people were just everyone was frankly shitting it and the angst was outrageous and and I don't want to see that creep in and I love the way that they rallied in the second half and that Anfield rallied in the second half specifically and I hope that's going to continue because I think we're going like I said I think we're going to need that intangible stuff on 36 minutes Quonset made a fantastic uh, Hanson-esque run forward and um, <laughs> played the ball in which ended up with an opportunity where Cody basically just kicked the lad right up his arse um, and, and gave away a free kick. It was a, an air kick. He was expecting the ball to come to him. It didn't. Um, we saw another great break launched by Connor um, Bradley, and Diaz eased away, uh, resulted in the corner. Uh, Harvey had a shot over the top from that corner. Eventually, um, a yellow for Woodrow in forty-one. Uh, another shitty final ball in 42 minutes. Diaz just couldn't get to Harvey's attempt to play him in. At that point, it's interesting, Carl, because Kloppo just says, Kloppo has a go at the crowd. And I've seen people on Twitter immediately saying, you know what? Maybe do a thing and then the crowd will get on, on, on your side. And I understand both sides of the argument. I genuinely do. I, I, I really genuinely do in a way that I have. I admitted recently to being occasionally like the guy who's like, not often, but occasionally in Anfield, just a bit grumpy. Like, for fuck's sake, that kind of guy. And I got absolutely hockeyed by the toppest of top reds who said, you're there to contribute to the atmosphere. It's your job. And I was like, fuck you, you know, but that's what I got. And I felt a little bit like it was going that way. It was really uncomfortable. Anyway, Kloppo has a go. Another attack got smothered on 43. Two minutes were added and nothing happened in them. And that's the end of the first half. Now, you take it wherever the hell you want, my friend, in terms of a focus for that first half, whether it's a player or an idea or a tactic, go ahead. No, it's not a a player. I think that with one or two exceptions of players, I think we had a a bit of a a hive mind overtake here of just senselessness in that everything had to be done at a hundred mile an hour and everything had to be turned around and done in the game one before half time. And it, it didn't need to be that, but that seemed to be how we were approaching it. And like I said, it was all just very, it was all a bit frantic. There were far too many moments where we could have made something for ourselves, but we were not even really close to doing so just because everything was a bit too last minute It was like we were already down to the last 10 minutes. So a few times we saw like Elliot had a really good chance to make a through ball and got the weight of it wrong or got the timing of it wrong. And Diaz was taken on shots that he didn't need to when earlier if he, could have taken them early, we should have done. Um, I, I just think that are far too many players, with the exception of probably Alexis McAllister and probably a little bit of Endo. Excuse me, I think most players were sort of affected by that, to be honest. I think that that's why the crowd were not responding in the way that usually they would, to be fair, if we'd had you know 12 shots in the first half, uh, if we were attacking in the manner and the frequency that we were, I actually didn't realise it was um, the crowd that Klopp was turning around to shout at. I thought it was one of the players um, who, who maybe hadn't tracked back or hadn't made a run forward on that last counter attack or something like that. So fair enough, if that was the crowd he was shouting at, then, you know, 
he's not shy to do it, is he? He, he sort of gets them on side and then tries to do a little bit of extra after the match, perhaps to kind of make up for it. Didn't we see that as well? So um, I'm, I, I, I wasn't demoralized in any way, but I was a bit frustrated because of the stupidness of some of the play. I think that that's the main message that Klopp would have had. Like you're playing quickly enough, but you're not playing well enough. You're not playing smart enough. I think that that was the big issue for us because we were still opening them up. Like there was a lot of praise for Luton and a lot of like saying, oh, the, the you know, the holding Liverpool at bay, defending well. They weren't. They weren't really. We were having a lot of shots and a lot of openings. We were just not being particularly diligent about the way that we were fashioning those chances. And so everything was still a bit scrappy, but like the left-hand side was relentlessly opening them up. I think Diaz had six shots by half time. So not too much concern at that point, but just definitely some frustrations. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. (laughs) This is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want whenever I want and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, and it, like the concern arises from the fact that <clears throat> the league is there to be won. It, it doesn't arise from any other. There's no other anxiety here. The anxiety is Jesus Christ, we could win this. Dave said earlier on that Joe Gomez was having his best season, and I, I, I the only thing I would disagree with on that, um, I, well, I'm entirely agreeing with it, actually, is that the only thing that rivaled it was his contribution to the league winning season. And this is where I think maybe stars are aligning. I love this. I love this as a concept that Joe Gomez has been wonderful across uh, two uh, particular campaigns where Kloppo will end up with the the top prize. That would be absolutely gorgeous uh, for him and for Kloppo and for all of us. But we've just been informed that Dave has to jump off the call. So, Carl, you and I are going to be taking on this second half uh, uh, on our on our lonesome. And in the end, then, um, we're going to bring in Guy for a bit of a sum up, um, as we usually do, where we get the sum up from both of our analysts. So we'll get Guy's and we'll get yours. Let's drive into this second half because it, it's 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 fun um, because of the attitudinal change and a lot of other things that happened. They made a sub and you're going to have to help me out here because my stream died, Carl. A Conga, I think, went off. I'm not sure who it was that came on at that point. Do you, do you have that detail for me? Yeah, Pelly Radek and Panzu came on for La Conga. That's it. There you go. 
And soon after the second half started, uh, John Achterberg got himself a yellow card for being a, a shouty man. Uh, and uh, our man, Andy Madley, didn't like it. And I think in a different night, on a different occasion, perhaps Andy Madley might have warranted some discussion. But I can't be arsed, to be honest. Uh, again, my stream died pretty soon after this. But just before it did, Harvey Elliott took on what ended up being quite a poor shot dragged across the face of goal when he had options um but i came back into the live situation on 54 minutes and harvey was front and center again a decent cross to cody gakpo on 55 minutes uh, cody had a really good near post dig himself he was driving at that near post the right hand side if you're looking at it straight on and uh, the keeper gets the save it's a proper save and it ends up as a corner and from that corner Carl we go level it's Van Dijk and it's a beautiful header he had actually been sort of uh, indicating to to McAllister to just hold on a bit he was, it, was, it was lovely just, it's lovely when you see these things work out just wait 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 until uh, he gets into the position he wanted to begin and he did and when Virgil does this he's absolutely Nobody can deal with it. Uh, he, it, when you see the replay, the run that he makes is so long, and you know, in comparison to an awful lot of goals from corners, so long and so deliberate. The the contact is absolutely gorgeous. It's bulleted. It's directed. It was a great, I think, statement goal. If you understand what I'm saying, there, uh, Carl, does that make sense to you? It was kind of like, do you know what? Fuck you. We're back in this, and we can do what we want. Yeah, I fully agree. Even the noise of the celebration, you know, you got very, very subtle differences in celebrations from the crowd when it's like the opener very early on in a game sounds very different to an equalizer in the 84th minute. Sounds very different to a a tap in on the 74th minute to go four nil up sounds very different to a consolation when you're three nil down, you know, they all have very subtle differences. And this one was a yes, finally now go again. That's what that one was. And that yeah. was, what was from everyone, yeah. even like Virgil's celebration. He had himself a little knee slide, but there was not much expression in that face. It was all right, let's go. And everybody just went for it. And now obviously what happens after that is, is extreme, but it was, already going to happen like as soon as we scored that first one goals two and three were already going to happen no matter when they came whether it was a minute or five minutes or even 15 minutes those goals were already written in stone as soon as van dyke scored that one yeah it felt it, it there was there was a lovely sort of um intent to it as you described there as well uh just an absolutely gorgeous uh, connection with it and to see it the way that it, it, it entered in that everything. Lovely to see McAllister involved as well. And we continue. And Connor Bradley at this point is front and centre. He gets himself shot on target, really well saved. Listen, it's only a matter of time before this kid scores. It's not like I, I just feel like he's a little bit different to the to the um yeah, Andy well, yeah, of course he does have one. Yeah, but I, what, I, 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 what, sorry, like I watched it. But what I meant to say is, it's only a matter of time before he is. I think in, and I'm putting it out there. This is what I meant to say, Carl. I think he's going to be in the trend category in terms of goals. I genuinely do because 
it, he's just he just keeps getting them. Do you remember that the effort in the in the last game where he hit he improvises this outside of the foot shot? You remember that one? Yeah, yeah, going down to the bottom corner and the keeper. Like, who the who the fuck does that? Who plays? You remember the whole, uh, you know, Gary Neville right back, Jamie Carragher right back. Like that generation, they don't know what that is. They can't conceive of doing that. It's such a wonderfully deliberate attacking action. I just think this guy's going to score a half full. I read, I really do. I think he's going to be in the uh, in the Trent bracket soon. Uh, anyway, he has a good dig on fifty-seven. Well saved. Townsend comes on for Woodrow. Oh man, that was a badly time substitute because within a minute of that, we are two-one up, and the game is starting to get away from Luton. It's Cody Gakpo in a very gratifying way. It's Cody Gakpo, Carl. It's a quick throw in by the aforementioned Connor, who. Um, Picks out McAllister, who's pretty much on the byline. He swings over a kind of half volley cross. And Cody's finish is uh, really impressive with the head. The whole move is gorgeous. Uh, You've got to love it. It's, it's, It's quick. It's improvised. And everything about it is sort of exactly executed perfectly from the throw to the cross to the finish. I loved it, man. Yeah, I mean, like, this is really good from Alexis again. It's, you know, we mentioned earlier the the throw in taken quickly, and that is obviously what makes the opening, but it's Alexis who was making these runs through into the channels, into the penalty box from the last, like, 15 minutes of the first half and continued it here where the whole team stepped up the tempo. Uh, And like I said, the movement was much more incisive. The passes were a lot more intelligent, if we're being brutally honest, uh, in that second half. And Alexis is obviously one of the ones who can pick a pass when it's most needed. Um, and like a few of the corners weren't great in the first half, whatever, but he, he found the way to deliver that one to the right area eventually. And again, with this run, and he's able to pick out a person who is in a very, very dangerous area. And fair play to Gakpo, because he's not my favourite forward. And uh, I think he, he costs us more opportunities than he maybe makes the most of at the moment, but he does keep going. Like even if he loses five challenges in a row and doesn't get three shots away, he'll still get himself in that similar sort of area for the next one that might come his way. So definitely have to give him praise for that. And he does get himself into the six yard box uh, fairly regularly, sometimes a couple of seconds late, sometimes a little bit early. Sometimes he's not physical enough when you want him to be, but he's still there. And that across the course of the season will get him probably half a dozen goals from this sort of range. Uh, obviously, timing-wise on this one, very, very much appreciated because suddenly it's gone from a really, really tricky game where we've still got a lot of work to do to, in the space of a minute, you've probably deflated the entire opposing team's hopes, ambitions, energy, everything. Everything about it has just changed completely in the space of, what, 100 seconds or whatever it was. Um Good header. I don't think he could have possibly missed from that. Maybe Darwin could have hit the bar. But apart from that, I think everyone should be scoring from there. But again, you've got to get in there. You've got to make that run. You've got to get the wrong side of the defender. So just very, very thankful that we did do it as quickly as we did. Yeah, and anyone who's been lucky enough to be present in the ground recently understands that when that change happens, when the crowd is like absolutely fucking feral, um, 
you're in trouble if you're the opposition. And it, it kicked in on that point right there. Uh, and Cody Gakpo's front and centre. And I, I have all the same misgivings as you do about Gakpo. 100%. It's very interesting to hear you. The way you articulated there is almost exactly what I would say if I was asked. And it's 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 interesting. Um, I like the kid. I think he's got a great attitude. And I think that's exactly also to sort of uh, echo what you said his best trait is that he doesn't go missing he may not be effective but he doesn't go missing we've seen heroes of comparative yesteryear like Sadio Mane who can have stinking afternoons but he'll never go missing and uh, that's it's a good trait Gakbo has it and he's involved almost immediately after his goal uh, Carl with a great move and he has a dig that leads to a corner um, Van Dijk has a shoulder I think rather than a header from that really well saved by Kaminsky um, which led to another free kick and another corner from which we got nothing. And on 66 minutes, we bring on Robbo for Connor Bradley. I, I, we'll pause there briefly because I'm just anxious to hear your take on this. To me, that just said Connor's absolutely starting the final. Um, uh, I'm not sure what the trend prognosis is, but I just thought. That must be a lovely feeling at this early stage uh, to be going off, going, you know, he's saving me for the for the final in Wembley. Yeah, not bad, eh? Um, considering where he's come from and how quickly, I think it is exactly as you've said. He's going to be starting the final there. That's uh, arrest him and they keep him keep him um, ready for. I, I guess it's early on in his career and he's not played everybody yet, but so far I think we can say Chelsea is his favourite opponent. So hopefully exactly the same again. That's all we can. Uh, that's all we can imagine. I, yeah, I will take that. I was surprised. I must say I was surprised tonight that given both fullbacks changed and obviously started with both right footed fullbacks in the end. I thought Simicast might be the one to come in if we were going to be changing left back especially. So. Kind of three of the four fullbacks have played now. Trent's still not there and Costa still can't get a game. So I'm not really sure what, what that's looking like for him at the minute. I, I think Gomez deserves to start at the final, but I'm with you based on tonight and the sub. I, I guess it's going to be Bradley and Robertson. Yeah, yeah it's, it really, it's a tricky one. Who can know the mind uh, of Jurgen Klopp uh, nobody really if we're being honest but as he goes off there's the one Connor Bradley chance which is absolutely smashing to see and we continue our pressure some tremendous pressure on the 69th minute it was sort of relentless and the goal happens then on 70 and it is Luis Diaz and it, that to me was possibly the most gratifying moment of the night because if injuries are going to be a thing and and they are going to continue to be, we need everyone to do the bits. And it's lovely to see him after having a, a roby first half to get the goal that he gets. Robbo does brilliantly in this, Carl. Uh, a great interception uh, on the left-hand side. Um, but previously, I think he kind of made, made a drive up the flank. But anyway, he makes a great interception. Um, and the ball sort of falls into the path of Luis Diaz. He kind of drifts left uh, of the six-yard box with it, looks to be going into a direction that's completely unfavorable for a lad who's as the, the inclined towards his right as he is. And he finishes beautifully with his left foot at the near post between the keeper and the near post. 
I mean, it's the kind of thing that we were just thinking uh, was beyond him from that first half. That was a very gratifying moment. And uh, you'd imagine with his record of scoring in recent times now, it uh, could be very important for us as a club going forward. Yeah, look, Dave mentioned earlier, all three of the starting forwards scored in the end. Uh, all of them were involved in creating a lot of chances as well. Diaz, I mean, 10 shots in a game is 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 definitely not usual um, for someone to get that many. And obviously a lot of them were off target for him first half, especially. So I'm really glad that he did get the goal. He, he's he got form at the minute, to be honest. Like It's not elite form in terms of like his clinical edge and consistency. And every time he's in, he, he finds the back of the net, but he's still managing to find a way. It's a, is it five goals and assists now in his last four uh, Premier League games, I think. So, you know, going into to a cup final, he's getting goals, he's creating chances. Elliot may or may not start, but at least he's done bits tonight. Gakpo has scored a couple recently. So even though injuries are really obviously hitting us in that area, hopefully we get at least one of the uh, Nunez and Salah back for, for the weekend. But it's really good going in with all of them should have pretty high confidence after finding the back of the net tonight after getting loads of shooting practice in. Um, It was a really good finish in the end and it was much cooler than you would imagine a lot of players would be if they'd already had eight shots in the game and hadn't scored. Um, But yeah, again, good good response from Robertson after coming on. He's the one who made the goal with, again, a, a quick press. Don't know if we can quite call it a transition play. I think it came off his knee towards Diaz in the end, but... Still, it's the relentless pressure that we have at that stage in the game. Really high pressing, people working in tandem with each other. That's what creates the overloads. And we've got the individual skill to make use of space then. Yeah, love the Robbo energy, which is continued later on. We'll get to it. And, and you know, every little weapon in the armory is going to be important if we're going to get this thing over the line. They bring on Kabore for Doughty on 74 minutes and... <clears throat> For them, that's not great news. I know Kibore was one of the guys who was involved in the, uh, I don't know if you saw, I'm sure you saw it, the Twitter. I, 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 I hope it was a spoof uh, thing that was doing the rounds there where some lad was uh, comparing the Liverpool 11 to the, to the Luton 11. <laughs> it, was, it was quite comical. Uh, Kabore won his slot, of course. But anyway, he came on for Doughty in 74. Uh, Diaz has a, yet another shot saved. And it was a decent dig, this one, on 74 minutes after some good uh, approach play by us. Harvey has a shot saved on 75. And again, it was in the corner and the, the keeper did well to get down. Much and all as he may look like a, a, a young lad making his, his, his confirmation in Ireland uh, in a Catholic church on his wiki page. He, he, he can he can save a he can save a shot, this lad. Uh, 75 minutes, that was Harvey's shot. 76, Barkley picks up a yellow. Uh, Clark is brought on for Gravenberg on 76 minutes as well. And on 80, there was an amazing opportunity for Cody. Uh, Endo did fantastically, won the ball, then played a great through ball. By the way, I fucking love Endo. Just, I'll tell you what, if, if you were to talk about the potential for cult hero status. I don't think anyone's got bigger potential than Endo. That was absolutely fantastic. And it was kind of indicative, I think, of 
what he's been since he's found his feet. Um, I was really worried about him at the start because realistically he got monstered in tackles uh, and he, he, he'd do some good things and then he'd do some things where you go, oh God almighty, he's not able for this physically. Well, gum shield in and Endo's here and I'm delighted to see it. You can come back to that in the end if you want, but we'll drive on towards the goal and maybe just towards the end if we want to. Um, there's a yellow for Joe Gomez on uh, 81 minutes. <clears throat> I don't know where he is in terms of yellows at this stage, but I'd imagine we're racking them up, including the previous lad I mentioned, Endo. More pressure by them on 82, uh, which led to a corner. Barkley hit a shot over the top on 87 minutes. <clears throat> They were kind of in the ascendancy at that point, like having a go, to be fair to them. Um, on 87, we bring on McConnell and Dans for McAllister and Diaz. And on 89, we're 4-1 up. And the score, Young Matchett, is quite interesting because... Um, Dave mentioned before the mics went live that he was receiving messages with regard to this particular uh, scoreline. I was also, and I think they may come from the same um, uh, American lady in terms of uh, Lisa Marie, who was telling me that at one stage when we were one nil down, basically along the lines of I blame matches. That uh, she, she she can she can she can she can come at me on the next AIP. I'm 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 burying her here. The AI play match it. And uh, I said I said back and I, I promise you this. I said well hopefully it'll be four one, and he'll still look like a genius because you predicted four <laughs> 0 And I tell you what, man. Between the two of us, we're 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 uh, an absolute Nostradamus style team because it was 4-1 in 89 minutes it is Harvey Elliott who happens to be the offspring of Lisa Marie Hanahan uh, it's a great drive down the left uh, a foot in by Robbo following that like he drives down the left the ball breaks and then he gets a foot in and it's a really 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 important foot in Dan's does brilliant uses his body strength uh, holds off the defender, plays a gorgeous through ball to Cody Gakpo, and Cody has his sort of toe poke saved. When the ball spills, it spills to young Hanahan, Harvey Elliott, and he stops and he deliberately curls the ball to the top corner. And honestly, I don't give a shit about anything else after that because that was the coup de grace curl that the performance of the second half deserved. Yeah, definitely. Um, listen, I'm not going to have any more of this slanderous attacks on my name. Guy is the ringleader. I know he's <laughs> in the background, and I know Lisa Marie is very definitely the uh, the vocal aspect of this um, of this uh, insubordination. But listen, <laughs> okay. I've been to games. There's been no draws. I've been to games. There's been no injuries. We've won them. I've predicted four nil here. And I was one goal out. All right. I'm. I'm having this as me being basically spot on other than the fact that, you know, there's a little <laughs> bit of misfortune first half. So let's just, just, just put a pin in it, okay? Because I'm going to the cup final at the weekend and nothing about it is going to be my fault, okay? End of discussion. <laughs> right. Harvey Elliott today. I usually save the stats, obviously, for the end of the game, but this one is, is worth doing now. Um, he was another one who was not great in the first half, kept going and kept putting himself. And like I said, he picked up some really, really smart positions, but then the, 
the execution was not always great. Like there were a few under hit passes, a, a couple of shots, which were not maybe a bit ill-advised to take them on from where he did and all the rest of it, but he kept going and he kept working. Like Dave said, he never, never hides and he keeps, even when he might be taking slightly the wrong thing, he sometimes has that scrappy quality to him, which just sees him come out the other side of a challenge or run down a blind alley, but then find his way back and make a pass and all the rest of it. I thought he was really good. Second half, he was one of the ones who just kept things going for us. He's had a few games, obviously, where he's come off the bench and been really impactful, earned a start, but then doesn't do well when he starts. So I'm glad that he eventually had a good outing overall. There was also, uh, I say a stat, it's more like a a collection of stats, a herd of stats um, from Opta tonight, which makes Harvey Elliott at 20 years of age. Is that right? 20 years of age, Harvey Elliott? I'm not sure if I think that that makes him much older or still much younger than I thought he was, but God's sake. Anyway, 20 years of age, Harvey Elliott tonight was the youngest player on record. So this is from 2008, 2009, like 15 years or something like that, to score a goal, have at least five shots, create at least five chances, have at least 10 touches in the opposition's penalty box and make at least 25 passes ending in the final third in a Premier League match. All of those things he wow. did. Now, obviously, not all of them are amazingly done. We've we've mentioned like a few uh, shots were a bit wild, and a few of the passes were under hit or whatever. But that level of involvement is non-stop. That's an all-game involvement kind of thing. Even if some of it is good and some of it is not as good as it might have been, he created seven chances for other people tonight. To add in the ones which he should have created chances and didn't, and they were a bit under hit or whatever. He was everywhere, and I, I really am glad that he's had an impactful starting performance, even if it took a little while to get going. Because, again, later on in the season, other Premier League matches, maybe in Europe, maybe even in the cup final, we're going to need him. We're going to need our 13th, 14th, 15th best players to really step up and produce match-winning moments now and then. It can't always just be about the guys who, at the minute, are injured anyway. So one of these games, really, really good for... A number of players, but I think Elliot might be top of the ones I'm glad came out of it with plenty of credit. 100%. Let me allow you to go off and wrangle whatever remaining stats you have into your final thoughts and invite Guy Drinkle onto the show for the sake of having two sum up opinions here. And Guy, uh, it's a, a, a really, really important victory, but they were, they're all going to be, but the nature of this one coming from behind, um, coming from what was a lackluster opening half to the game and putting the foot down on the throttle or putting the foot on the neck or whatever violent metaphor you want to say, it's heartening, man that we can do it with what is essentially the second team. Yeah, that's the, that's the main thing. I think you shouldn't have to come into a game against loot and crapping yourself, but Carl Inder and all those players at Brentford has really put a, put a worry in my life. Um, (laughs) Yeah. You know, it was your fault. Um, but no, it was just the fact that you, you looked at the team, and to be fair, I mean, he, did, was anyone else like I? All my WhatsApp groups were like, McAllister's not with the team. It's like, can you piss off? Because <laughs> um, that was a rumor before yeah, yeah. that McAllister wasn't fit. And I was like, can yeah, this season's just cursed. Um, 
But no, when when you saw the actual team, it's like this will be more than enough to beat Luton, and it was. We did it kind of the hard way with the first half, where we forgot how to football. But that second half's pretty much the embodiment of everything that Klopp's had, whether it's Liverpool two point or one point or fifteen sixteen, even when we had like random lad FIFA lads who we've never heard of and never heard of since playing. This was just an ultimate clock performance, and that second half, we're missing, what, seven starters, I think Dave and everyone else has said um, on this pod, missing more than that in terms of the squad. It's it's just magic that we've got an assortment of lads who will have never played together, probably didn't even train together, because some of the injuries have been that late, and there's obviously um, Moore and Darwin were late doubts as well. So this team's never played together whether in training or, or a game. And to come in, we played all right the first half, but the second half come in, rocking up the ass at half-time, clearly, and then just put on a performance like that. It, it, it's magic. And you see the lads coming all like, I, I don't watch the Academy anymore. I barely watched it when I was pretending to do the Academy podcast back in the day. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, like, lads I've never heard of just coming on and for the Elliot goal, just turning like, dropping deep linking play like oh, we've spawned another one have we it's just it's just fantastic stuff and to get a win and you saw the glowing praise from the opposing manager and stuff like that just yeah fantastic I mean I don't want to test how far we could go in terms of losing players and still doing this but it's kind of interesting in a grotesque macabre kind of way could could we lose 15 <laughs> players and still be the mentality monsters <laughs> I don't want to test it but let's see um, but no that that was the ultimate Klopp um, performance in the second half and it, it's just great to see him I think the story out of this one is just just the young lads coming on and, and may, maybe in combination the young lads performing like Bradley etc we know but we're kind of introducing the new set of reliable lads. I think we kind of had that. I think Fabinho were kind of one of them. Ginny was one of them. Now you could probably say McAllister's probably the prime example of the new reliable lads. You'd probably throw Endo in there growing into the season, as you mentioned earlier, Trev. And then we've got, obviously, Diaz, who decided to play like Darwin <laughs> in the whole game because he missed him, clearly. But it's nice having this young young core with new set of reliable lads that we will probably build Liverpool 2.0 and the beginnings of 3.0 if we're going to keep using that bloody format of thing. But yeah, that, just an absolute brilliant win. A, a tremendous, a tremendous set of three points that we have, as Guy has highlighted, uh, got in the bag tonight and leave ourselves with that lovely feeling of, if not smugness, then uh, I think maybe the lads have always felt this. I don't know. But I think some of the fans are starting to think that the team deserves this. I was entirely disillusioned by the absolute, the absolute shit to bed attitude that I saw when I logged on to Twitter in the first half. And I'm not trying to come across as some sort of uh, positivity uh, guru here at all. But like, I mean, if you have you learned nothing under Jurgen Klopp, you 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 must. 
believe. You must. You must trust the team. You must. Because there's nothing but evidence to the contrary. And doing anything other than that is actually being completely counterintuitive and completely going against what we have as a record of evidence. And Carl, to bring you in to close the show, what's your final thoughts? How would you sum that one up? And will you finish as well by letting us know what is available from you for the week to come? Um, how to sum it up? Um, I don't think relieved is right because I did always think that we were winning this one, even you know, five minutes into the second half, but still 1-0 or whatever. Um, I'm, I'm pleased that we found a very different way to win this one. Like against Brentford, I kind of just wanted us to just get it done however it was needed. I thought it might be more difficult than it was. I thought it might be really awkward and terrifying at times, but I just wanted us to find a way. And we have done that and we've, we keep doing that. And I'm, I'm very glad that there, there are different manners that we've been able to do so. Like some of the games we've been excellent and some of the games we've been slow to get started and then have won. And this one, we kind of just eventually just battered the door down and remembered how good we are, even though some of the, the very, very finest players in the league were not available to us. Um, I don't think we could have really reacted much better to the defeat to Arsenal than we have done. Obviously, nine points, that's fine, that's great, but we've scored three, we've scored four, we've scored four. And now we go and play the team who, the game before Arsenal, we scored four against as well. So goal scoring-wise, we're looking really, really good at the minute. Obviously, there were one or two things to sort out defensively. We haven't kept too many clean sheets, but you know what? Not many teams have in the Premier League this year. It just seems to be a lot of um, defence or very, very best defence is not quite there this year in, in English football in general. So not too concerned with that, especially since, you know, the cup final, it'd probably be nil-nil and go to penalties anyway, wouldn't it? Um, I think at the minute we're probably in as good a position as we can be, minus those injuries, and we can't really do anything about that anyway. Um, only other things to to really mention, um, mentioned Luis Diaz, um and and taking 10 shots and that's pretty cool he's actually scored uh, sorry taken a shot and created a chance in every single premier league match for us that he's played in since the 9th of december so we're approaching three months now and sorry with the exception of bournemouth he, he shot but he didn't create a, a chance in that game but that's a really really good run of impactful final third activity from the guy who's likely to be first name on the team sheet uh, against Chelsea just by virtue of being the only one of the front three who was a, uh, a regular starter and absolutely fit. So lots of reasons to be positive, even though we've got absences. Um, there there are, to be honest, a million other stats that I could bring out from this game just because there is such a such a lot happened, to be perfectly honest. We had such a lot of the ball. I think I'll, I'll stick with Joe Gomez finishing on 94% passing completion rate, which for a, quite an attacking fullback is pretty damn good. Um, I think better than everybody else on the pitch, possibly. Um, and Harvey Elliott, that was his 100th game for us tonight as well. So a nice little milestone for him. Um, from me, we'll obviously be having a Carabao Cup final uh, scouted. I will probably have a piece on that ahead of the weekend. And uh, yeah, I'll be at Wembley for a couple more written pieces from there. Tremendous. Hope you have a wonderful day there. Uh, if you are not, then currently uh, make yourself a 
absolute devotee of anything that young Carl Matchett is putting out. You'd be silly not to. The writing is wonderful. The podcasts are wonderful. Guy Drinkle kicked in to help us out there. Another man who is constantly contributing to this channel in a very, very positive way. If you get a chance to listen to Guy doing his thing, do it. And Dave Hendrick, who had to leave early, is the most consistent contributor to this channel uh, with his daily podcasts. He creates more hours of content than anybody else. We recently found out that there were 6,000 podcasts in the Anfield Index canon. I'd imagine Dave's on the vast majority of those. It's a serious shift put in by that chap. So give him some flowers if you get the opportunity to do so. And for love of God, just at least listen to the shows. They're tremendous and quite literally some of the very few things I listen to football-wise. I've been Trev Downey. You heard Dave Hendrick. You heard Carl Matches. You heard Guy Drinkle. This is Raw. The Reds, top of the league. We'll talk to you soon. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.